Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Well, you can be seated. This love Christmas time. I hope that you have enjoyed this season as much as I have and our last Christmas gatherings will be at 4 and 5.30 this coming Christmas Eve night and then we want to encourage you to spend your Christmas morning with your family and friends celebrating. Didn't you love the kids nativity scene and songs? Oh my gosh, they're so, so cute. It, uh, of course, it reminds me of something funny. Uh, a man wrote that while visiting a southern town, I saw a living nativity scene that showed great skill and talent had gone into creating it. One small feature bothered me, however. The three wise men were wearing firemen's helmets. Totally unable to come up with a reason or explanation, I left, and at a gas station on the edge of a town, I asked the lady behind the counter about the helmets. She exploded into rage, yelling at me, you Yankees never do read the Bible. I assured her that I did, but simply couldn't recall anything about firemen in the Bible. She jerked her Bible up from behind the counter, ruffled some pages, and finally jabbed at her finger at a passage, sticking it in my face and said, See, it says right here, the three wise men came from afar. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh. I spent a lot of time in the South. (laughs) Well, today we uh, call our service. It's one of our traditions that we love at all people's, our crazy Christmas offering service. And it made me think about the first time I ever had $100, the first time I ever possessed $100 as a child. Do you remember the first time that you had had $100? Some of you are like, no, no, I, <laughs> I wish I had it. Um, I, I remember I, I had uh, I got money from from some birthdays, and I'd exercised tremendous willpower to, to save it up. And I had done some chores for my my grandmother around her yard, and 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 so finally I had a hundred dollars, and and I was just thinking of all the different ways that I could spend it as a child. Would I get the new sports equipment? Video games had just come out. Would I, would I buy a video game? Would I get my, my folks to take me to a, an amusement park and spend it there? And then I had this little thought come into my head. You should give it to God. You, you could give it in the offering at church. And I went, no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I had all, thought, all types of excuses that came into my head, you know, oh my gosh, you know, if I did that, I'd have nothing to show for my first hundred dollars. I'd have nothing in my hands. And I thought, man, if, I, if my friends found out that I did that, they would think I'm absolutely crazy. And, and I remember this thought just kept coming over and over into my head, my, my little child heart. And so finally, I, I went and talked to my parents about it. I said, you know, mom and dad, I... I think I know what I want to do with my hundred dollars. I, I want to give it to God in the in the offering basket. What do you think? You know, and they just smiled and said, "We th- we think that's a great idea. Uh, you know, we'd be we'd be so proud." And so I remember 
getting that $100, getting an offering envelope, and, and going to church that day. And I want to tell you, that day my heart was pounding in my chest as a little fella. I just, I remember sitting there, and I, I couldn't wait for the music to end. I couldn't wait for the pastor to stop talking. I was ready for those little plates. We had these little uh, golden plates with red velvet on the bottom. I still remember them. And I remember watching it. You know, and I'm thinking, am I going to do it? Can I do it? I can't do it. I'm not. And I put it in. And I, I had thought in my head, okay, what am I going to experience when I put in $100? You know, I, I, I thought that certainly I'm going to have some thoughts like, you idiot, I can't believe that you just parted with $100. I thought I was going to experience this sense of loss. Uh, it was amazing as a 10-year-old what happened. Uh, intellectually, I remember putting it in the plate and thinking, I, I'm going to feel so stupid. And immediately I had this sense of, you just did the best thing you could have done with $100. I remember emotionally, I, I was so concerned, because I was a pretty emotional kid, uh, unlike now, and uh, <laughs> I, I was so concerned about the emptiness I'd feel, instead, I had this elation, this joy. Um, financially, it was amazing to watch. That, that was the beginning of a journey of so many times being financially blessed in unexplainable ways. And then spiritually, I had this sense of fulfillment, this sense of walking out and feeling so close to the Lord as I knew I had blessed my heavenly Father's heart. That, that was the beginning of my journey of giving. And I love talking about giving because it's been one of the most exciting journeys that I've been on in life. And you know, as, as we come to today, talking about our crazy Christmas offering, we looked at the children, and they were so cute. They came as these wise men. And I want to read to you this passage from Matthew 2.11. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child. This is the wise men with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you know, this whole concept, where do we get the, the concept of giving gifts at Christmas? I have kids in my house. They're talking about the different gifts. Well, Dad, I want this. Yesterday, we went to a, a, a ballet recital, and the boys and I are sitting out in the truck waiting for, for Mom and Steph to come. Uh, Mom and Steph. No, Steph, that's one person. Uh, Stephanie and Hallie to come out of it, and the boys are like, Dad, I want this for Christmas. Dad, I want this. Like, where did this idea of giving gifts for Christmas come from? It came from the wise men. And we can get so focused on the gifts that I'm going to get, or as a parent, I can get so wrapped up in the gifts that I'm going to give to my kids, when the focus in the Christmas story is bringing gifts to Jesus. And what we learn from the wise men is that this whole concept of giving gifts came from a spirit of sacrifice. Have you ever thought about it? These, these wise men, they're also known as kings. They were living in their comfort. They were, I'm sure, in these places of position and prestige. And yet they come thousands of miles. You know, th this was before. They're from the Middle East. 
This is before, you know, the Middle East had Dubai Airlines and, and they had discovered all their oil. They, they didn't come in their caravans of Mercedes. They had to walk thousands of miles. This was an uncomfortable journey for these wise men to, to take. That's why we brought a camel on stage last week to, to show you this is how they came, right? This is an uncomfortable journey they were taking. And then these wise men come to a baby in a stable. Now, it's fascinating that they come to worship a, a child in a stable anyway, these kings. But then these kings bring these really interesting gifts. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've talked about many times that many Christmases, you, you, see, a, you see a king coming to a house where the, the baby is and giving uh, some gold, Right, and, and gold was fit for a king. I mean, you look at a peasant family, and yet these kings, these magi, are giving gold. And then they're giving frankincense. What's frankincense? Frankincense is incense. You know, I've been to a lot of baby showers. I've never seen someone bring incense. Sure, it probably happens on an OB, but that's probably the, <clears throat> probably the only place. <laughs> Hippies are walking in. Hey, you know. um, but that doesn't happen much, right? Where you, why would you bring a baby incense? Because incense was used for worship. Uh, perhaps if you grew up Catholic, you're a, a little more accustomed to that. How many people have been to Catholic churches growing up? The, the, the priest walks down with a censer and there's incense rising. And that incense symbolizes the prayers of the saints. And, and through biblical worship, there would be different experiences that would affect our different senses. And incense was one of them. Why would he bring incense to a baby? It's because Jesus was meant to be worshipped. Gold is a gift fit for a king. Incense was a gift fit for worshipping the Lord. And then he brought myrrh, Right? So, you know, you never see gold being brought to a baby, maybe in La Jolla. Uh, you never see uh, <laughs> incense, maybe an OB, myrrh, I have no idea, right? That's just wrong if you brought myrrh. Because why? Because myrrh was an embalming ointment for a time of death, right? I mean, someone brings myrrh you'd, for your baby, you'd slap them, right? And, but, but these wise men, they understood the scriptures, and they understood that this would be a king, a priest, and an atoning sacrifice. And so they bring myrrh to Jesus. And, and this brings on to stage this whole concept of Christmas is about giving, and it's about giving to Jesus. And this is one of the things that we've tried to instill in our family, and I, I want it to be discipled into our church, is that we always say each year, and my kids get excited about gifts, giving, and then they, they give, get excited about gift receiving, right? And, and, and I always want to say, but kids, the main gift we give, and this is what we've done for years in our family, is we say that the, the most expensive, the most costly gift we're going to give is going to be to the Lord himself, because he is worthy, because Christmas is about Jesus. And so I want to actually open up a different passage this morning that also is a messianic prophecy. It's talking about the Lord to come. It's found in Malachi, if you want to turn with me, Malachi chapter 3. What I love about the Christmas time is that it's not just about a, a baby in a manger, but it's about how Jesus fulfilled hundreds 
of prophecies about a coming Messiah. 343 prophecies fulfilled by Jesus, and we're going to look at one of these written hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. The prophet Malachi says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, then suddenly the Lord who you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the first thing we see in this amazing passage that even before the Lord will come, that God's going to send a messenger. Now, who's the messenger that was sent right before Jesus? Uh, uh, okay, let's, <clears throat> some of you got it. Some of you are like, huh. right? Um, uh, let me give you some hints. Uh, he wore camel skin. He ate, oh, I heard it. Uh, he ate honey and locusts. His name starts with a J and ends with an Baptist, right? John the Baptist, yes. You got it. There you go. Uh, here, hundreds of years before the Christmas story, Malachi is foretelling that not only will the Lord come, but a messenger will come, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. That's what we're wanting to do at Christmas time. We sing the song, let every heart prepare him room, right? And so here is the messenger coming, and then it says, then suddenly the Lord who you are seeking will come to his temple. Do you know that when Jesus came, he fulfilled this? Although Jesus was born in a stable in a manger, only days later they would bring baby Jesus into the temple. And he would be dedicated there. The, the prophet Simeon would see him. The, the prophetess Anna who had prayed in his coming. He would actually come. Jesus would come into his temple as a child. And it says this, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Jesus would be known as the desire of the nations. Hundreds of years before, the prophet was prophesying what would happen. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like the refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. You see, Jesus was more than a baby born in a stable. Jesus was also the one who would come and baptize us. This is Matthew chapter 3. Lines up perfectly with Malachi chapter 3. He would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with? The Holy Spirit and with fire. Hundreds of years before, Malachi is prophesying that he will not just be a sweet baby. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Right? No, he'd also be the one who brings fire onto the earth in order to purify his people so he could present to himself a pure and spotless bride. Jesus would come to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It says this, then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Are you following me? Hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, Malachi prophesied, there'll be a messenger. It was John the Baptist. He will come in, Jesus, the Messiah, will come into his temple. Jesus was brought into the temple as a baby. He'll refine you with fire. 
John the Baptist says he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire in Acts chapter 2. When they're praying, fire literally comes down and is on their heads. Then it says, then men will bring their offerings. Why did the wise men who were coming from the east think to bring gifts? Why? Because it was already prophesied that men would bring their offerings. It's unbelievable, all the prophecies that are happening about Jesus. Verse 4, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. Verse 5, so I will come and put you on trial. What? what? What's this all about? I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. See, Christmas is not just about the coming of a baby. Christmas is about the coming of the Lord, who's also a righteous judge. And what I love about this current generation is that there's never been a generation, in my opinion, that has ever been so full of their hearts and so wholeheartedly jumping in to social justice, right? This generation detests the, the child labor and, and sexual exploitation and, and wants to jump in when we see that what's going on in Aleppo and, and especially this, the, the whole Syrian refugee crisis. And, and do you see who is the author of social justice? It's Jesus. Uh, look at this. It says he's going to testify against sorcerers, uh, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages. He's the one who is coming and saying, I I'm against child sweatshops, right? And then it goes on to say this, that who oppress the widows and the fatherless. There's never been a time of more orphans, but the church is rising up to meet this orphan crisis. Why? Because Jesus is the author of social justice. And to deprive the foreigners among you of justice. Jesus is the one who cares about the refugee crisis in the world. He's the one who cares. He's more than a baby. He's a righteous judge. And so at Christmas time, we celebrate the coming of baby Jesus, of the Messiah. But on Christmas time... The rightful response is also to look forward in expectation for the second coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who exercises justice on the earth, who in his second return, in his first coming, he created a people who would start advancing his kingdom. On his second coming, he will put an end to all injustice. There will be no more sickness, no more disease. There'll be no more murder, no more genocide. Genocide. The Bible says he will wipe away every tear. Christmas is not just about the first coming. Christmas is a time where we anticipate the second coming of Christ. Verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. We can approach Jesus. The shepherds could approach Jesus in the midst of, the, of their, their dirtiness. The, the wise men could approach Jesus not because of how good they were, but because of the unchanging nature of the grace of God for undeserving man and woman. 
See, it was on the cross that Jesus would pay for our sins. It says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin. So here it is in Malachi 3, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you are not destroyed. We come before Jesus, not because of our goodness, but because of his. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from me and my decrees and have not kept them. Listen to this. It says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there might be food in my house. God's saying, you're robbing me when you're not bringing those tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, listen very carefully. What's the storehouse? The storehouse was the temple. There's always been a place where God has intended for his people to worship. So God called his people to construct a temple, a place where his presence could dwell, a place where people could know that they could come, the poor could come and receive help, a place where people knew that they could come and meet with the living God. Now let me ask you this. Who made the temple? God's people. Now now this is really interesting because any Anyone knows that God can do all things, correct? So you, you'd think that when God wanted a, a dwelling place on earth, that he would have just custom crafted his temple up in heaven and then just sent it down. It would oh, come down to the earth and land on a holy hill, right? But is that what he did? No. He actually commanded his people to make the temple. Do you know that the temple was actually made with human hands? And do you, do you know what? Furthermore, uh, the, the temple was paid for by people, by people bringing tithes and offerings. And, and, and then he put ministers in that temple. And he said, you know what? Then continue to bring tithes and offerings to pay for these ministers so there will be food in my storehouse. L- let me ask you this. Could God feed people without our help? Of course he can, right? I mean, he showed that in Israel. People walking around, three million people, and he's just dropping manna from heaven, right? And then he started dropping quail, right? The original chicken nuggets, just falling, <laughs> falling from sky, right? You know, and, and then even later on, uh, Elijah, God's, God's holy man, he, he needs some food. God just sends, sends ravens, you know, just boom, dropping steak, right? Left and right. Did God need the people to help? No. So, so why, why does God tell the people? Why does God tell his people? Why does God tell you and me to bring tithes and offerings? It's because God loves for his children to partner with him in his work. Uh, it's the same reason we have all these kids come up and do this show, right? I, I, I mean... You know, they're cute, but, but not all of them did that good, to be honest with you, right? I mean, some of your kids just stood there, you know? I mean, we've been pra- our poor children's ministry, they've been practicing and practicing, and then our, our kids get up and they're like, right? 
And then one poor kid's like doing the whole motion, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. But we loved it, right? We love it because they're so cute. And, and why, why did we have them? Because we want kids to get to participate in God's work. Right? Did, did we need them to come up? No, we had a living nativity scene last week, right? We had just grand costumes and, you know, sheep and donkeys and camels. And, and, and then we brought little kids. You know, Why? I, and I'm not making fun of your kids. Those were my kids too, right? And uh, they were the best ones. But, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm just glad my kids didn't get in a fight up here. Um, why, why do we bring the children? Because we want them to understand the joy of being a part of God's business. Why do I have my kids help me at home? Why, why, why do I have them put up the Christmas tree with me and decorate it? I could do it much quicker and much more efficient, and it would look much better. <laughs> right? But why do I have them? Because I want them about the work of the family so that they can have the fulfillment, so that they can have the joy. And that's what God was doing with his people. Did he need us to build his temple? No, he could have done much better. But he invited us in. Does he need us to to provide the food? No, he could rain it down from heaven much better. But he invites us to bring it in. Scripture goes on to say this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see... Test me in this. What's he saying? Test me in. He's saying, test me in, in tithes and offerings and bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. So let's just do a refresher real quick. What's a tithe? What's a tithe? Uh, a tithe is 10% of everything we have. Okay? So how much do we owe God? Everything. But uh, that was a trick question. Yes, he asks us to bring in 10%. Of what we have. So, so we teach our kids from the earliest age. You get a dollar, you immediately give a dime to the Lord. You get $10, you immediately give a dollar. You get, you get $100, you immediately give $10. From the very beginning of my children's life, we're teaching them that. For me, I get my paycheck from all people's church. And you know what the first thing we do is we write 10% and give it back to the church. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It makes all the sense in the world. Because I want to honor Jesus with my finances. He asks me to. Bring that whole tithe. An offering. What's an offering? An offering is above and beyond the tithe. Throughout scripture we see that people would bring wholehearted offerings. What would those offerings go to? They give offerings to the poor. To those that are in need, those that are disadvantaged. Do you know that God's intention for taking care of the poor was never a government welfare program? Now, listen to me. I am not against that. I am so thankful that we have a country that is generous in that way. I'm so thankful that, that it's very seldom that everyone, anyone ever starves to death on the streets. I've traveled to about 40 different countries, and I've never seen a country that takes care of the poor like we do. I I am so proud that we do that. But do you know God's plan A is the people of God caring for the poor? That's our calling, church, is to take care of the poor. And so one of the joys we have is from this school where 100% is what I've been told by the administration, 100% are below the poverty line of these children, that 70, uh, they, they chose the 70 that they felt were most needed. Most of them are 
brand new refugees from different countries, 70 families that were sponsoring from this school through an offering, and then a couple dozen more at Crawford High School, and then numerous more families that are in this church that at, at this time they could use that kind of sponsorship, 150 families in all that we're getting to provide for. Isn't that beautiful, church? That just makes my heart overflow. You can give a hand to the Lord. Yeah, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. That's what we as the people of God should be doing. We should be looking to the needs of ones that are less fortunate. The second thing we love to do is we love to bless the different nations of the world, the poor and different nations. Uh, tonight I'll be bound in all people's Tijuana. And God's doing a beautiful work there and the church is continuing to grow, and people are continuing to come to Christ. But one of the things that, that the leaders told us is we have numerous people that are wanting to come that can't because they live too far away, and they're in different parts and different places in the hills that they couldn't walk. And they said, if you could give us a van, we could bring so many more people. So through this offering, we're going to buy that church a van. Isn't that awesome? And it's not just this, that we read that that he would come and bring justice to the fatherless. And I love that in this church is a, is a group, and many of you uh, go down once a month and serve in the orphanage that we partner with down there, that orphanage that's at, at our church every Sunday. In fact, different ones in our congregation are the ones that are doing a building project. So all people's members have taken on this orphanage and are building them. They, they were in trailer homes and, and in a, a reeky-dink little uh, cement construction, and now we're building them a beautiful uh, orphanage facility. From this offering, we want to give them $10,000 uh, towards the construction of that. Isn't that awesome, church family? I'm so excited about those things we're going to do. Offerings to the poor. What else do we do? We do offerings to spread the gospel. Throughout the New Testament, the church would come together and say, we're believing that God is wanting to take the gospel to this nation or that nation. And they would give an offering to Paul and Barnabas. Or they would get an offering to different ones that were sent on mission. We have missionaries from this church in numerous different countries. One of the places that this offering will go to is to our missionaries in Greece. You heard Kelly and Eric Trimble speak this summer on an interview. They've been doing an amazing work in the refugee camps uh, in Thessaloniki, Greece, where many of the Syrian re refugees have come. It's very cold there. It's snowing there, and they're living in tents. So we want to send thousands of dollars for them to walk in and bring blankets and coats. Isn't that amazing? I can't wait for our, our people to, to get to do that. We're going to use this money in Thailand, use this money in Mexico. And then the last thing that these offerings were used for, as you read the Old Testament, it was to actually build the physical temple, that, that place that people would come and worship. And we are getting closer and closer to being able to run after finding our own permanent facility that we own as a church. And, and why is this so important? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you guys were at our Christmas production. 
And at that Christmas production, uh, definitely our, our biggest service uh, of the whole year, our biggest services, people said, well, why can't we do that many nights? The reason is because we're relegated to, to, to being here. We've been so blessed to be in Horseman Middle School. But that was the one night we could use. We wanted to do uh, later in the Christmas time, but they had their own shows. And they said, sorry, you can't, you can't have your production numerous nights. We want a place where we could just do that numerous nights and bring scores of people to the Lord. We want a place where the poor can actually come and we can give them uh, different things. We, we want a place to train and send. We want a 24-7 prayer room. So intercession can always go up before the throne of God for all the work we're doing in the city and the nations of this world. And so this money, this, the extra money will go into getting all peoples a permanent home, which I'm really excited about. That's what these tithes and offerings were all about in Scripture, and that's how we want to use them, and that's why we do this offering each year. But I want you to see what happens next, because God's not just saying you're going to be blessed with joy in your heart as you give. It's not just the satisfaction of giving. There's also, there's also three promises. This is amazing. God didn't need to do this. It's enough just for us to get to be about daddy's business. I mean, my kids just love it when they feel like they did something for daddy. You know, I'm carrying a big chair, and they come and carry the counter, you know, the corner when they were two. And they're like, look, daddy, I'm helping. I'm like, you're not really helping. But, uh, <clears throat> but they feel, you know, they're like, I'm a part of the, uh, the family business. But look at what God says. He gives these three promises. I encourage you to write them down because they'll build your faith for giving. Number one, God's first promise when we are faithful to tithe and bring our offerings, the first promise is provision. Say provision. provision. It says this, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. We, we found this out early on in our marriage. I, I remember we had $2,000 left to our name, Stephanie and I did. And we heard of a missionary that came back into town and she didn't have a vehicle. And, and we were trying to build a house and we had $2,000 in the bank. That was it. And we felt like God said, would you give this money to this missionary? And I'm like, God, that's crazy. I'm trying to build a house. I only have $2,000. You know, that's why we call it crazy Christmas offering. That's what, we don't call it nativity Christmas offering, right? That, that's, that sounds all formal and peaceful. We don't call it Advent Christmas offering, right? We call it crazy Christmas offering because it's crazy to give your last $2,000 away. But that morning, no one on earth knew it except my wife and I and the missionary we gave it to, who was broke, we gave her $2,000 because she didn't have a vehicle. We said, we want to give you $2,000 for this vehicle. We go to a wedding that night, and the, the guy who's going to build our home comes up to me and goes, I've got some really good news. I went, ooh, I like good news. He said, uh, you need to sit down for this. I went, wow, this is really good news. <laughs> I sat down. He goes, uh, someone just gave you a gift, a, a really big gift. Someone just gave you anonymously $20,000. <laughs> okay, no one in the world knew that morning, I gave $2,000, our last $2,000 away. That night, we were given $20,000 away. The Bible is true. You, you can't break the irrefutable laws of the kingdom. 
God says, you are faithful to bring your tithe and your offering and see if I won't open the floodgates. He's not just saying, see if I don't just barely turn on the faucet and give you just a little dribble. Right? That's not what he's saying. He says, I'm going to open the floodgates and pour out on you. That's what God wants to do. I remember one Christmas, I was saying, God, I, I just want to give to you. I, 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 want to, I want my heart to put you first. And I felt like God said, well, would you give your house? I went, uh. <laughs> and I remember getting on my knees and just crying as I, I said, God, I'll surrender my house. It was not long before we'd, we'd come to San Diego and, and we sold our house and wrote a check and gave that check to build orphan homes. You know, we get here, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's always like you give and then at the end of the week. It's not like you're putting a, a coin in a Holy Spirit slot machine and going like, big money, whoo, you know, and I'll put in a coin and get a bunch back. No, I'm not saying that. But I will say years later, through a crazy miracle, the house that God's given us now far supersedes the house that we had. And we love telling people the story as they come into our house of what God's done because they can't understand how we could have been blessed with something like that. Can I, can I just tell you, that's not why we give. It's not like playing Holy Spirit, you know, gambling. But what I am saying is it's a promise of the Lord. That God's saying, if you'll trust in me and you'll put your stock in me instead of the stock in what you can do, I can take care of you much better than you could have ever taken care of yourself. The second thing is this. It says this, it says, I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops. Promise number two is protection. Say protection, church. So many people these days are living in tremendous fear. They're so concerned about, gosh, this terrorist attack here, or this abduction here, or economic devastation here, and they're trying to guard themselves in every, every way possible. Can I just say to you that there's no one that can guard you like Jesus, that he wants to protect his people. And so I love going, Lord, I have done what you said so I can stay in that safe place, and now you protect me. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trying to outsmart the enemy. I can't outrun evil. But I know someone who's a lot bigger than evil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he says, I come that they might have life and life most abundantly. I want to tell you, you want the protection of God on your family, on you physically, on your finances, on your spiritual life. And last one says this. Verse 12, then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. Promise number three is promotion. God actually promotes you. You know why I love believers getting blessed? You know why I pray for you as a church to get blessed? Because when you get blessed by living out God's commands, then everyone around you says, why is there so much favor on that person's life? And it opens up the opportunity for you to talk about how Jesus is good to you. I love it when Christians are blessed because then they have a wonderful opportunity to talk about the blesser, and his name is Jesus. And I'm not saying that everything goes easy for us, and I'm not saying that we don't have trouble, but I am saying that in the midst of our trials, we have peace. We have protection. We have favor. And it says this, that all nations 
will say that you're blessed. And that's ultimately what we're believing for is Jesus' name to be proclaimed in every people on earth. And that happens as we're faithful with the things that he's called us to steward, our finances and our resources. So let me just end with this little story from this past week. Last Sunday night, I was able to take my family to a reenactment of the ancient town of Bethlehem at the time of the birth of Jesus. It was a church was putting this on. It's not a big church, a church in the hundreds, but they actually had thousands of people come. And I, I, I walk into the line, and I'm looking around going, wow, this isn't all church people. In fact, most of these people, they don't look like they've ever darkened the door of a church. But they're drawn to, to see this reenactment of the town of Bethlehem. And so we walk in and kind of get shoved around by some Roman guards, you know, some deacons that are probably enjoying their job a little too much. <laughs> they have some little, you know, feather quills and make some little leather bracelets, you know, and and, uh, and, you know, because it's a real reenactment, there's hay everywhere and I have hay fever, which is a real bummer when you grew up on a ranch. But um, I, I start, you know, I'm like, oh, squeeze stuff. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to stay for, for, for all the things. So I, I'm excusing myself and one of the kids wants to come with me. So we walk and we're walking to the exit where there's no hay. And, and, and the next thing I know, though, is I hear, you know, I hear in the crowd saying, make way, make way. And there's a guy carrying a, uh, you know, leading a donkey, and there's a, a, a woman acting like Mary, and she was doing a real good job. I mean, she was like kind of awkwardly in labor. She's going, oh, you know, like, oh, it's kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> but she's groaning as they're coming down the street on this donkey, and they round the corner, and, and, and now I'm at the exit, and they, they kind of disappear into a stable, and, and so I'm standing at the exit, and all of a sudden, you start hearing townspeople saying, he's born, the Savior's born, and, and this throng of, you know, a thousand or more people, and these aren't actors, these are just like San Diegan homies, you know, they turn, I don't, I'm like, I don't know, homies, so people, friends, you know, uh, they just turn, and they all start flooding towards the stable, you know, it's like, it was like, Bono was there or something, and uh, they're, they're, they're moving towards the stable, and I realized, oh, like, I'm on the back side of this, and there's little slats in here, so my kids and I are, like, peeking up, like, looking through the stable, and, and there's Mary and Joseph, and they're holding baby Jesus, and, and, you know, these different people are kind of worshiping in there, and they just start letting this, just all the, the audience come through. And so I'm watching the audience come through to see Mary and Joseph. And, and, and the, the, one of the very first people that I see walking through is this woman. And, and she's clearly from a Buddhist country. She, she appears like she's just come to the United States. From, from working with people from other countries, I can typically tell when someone uh, has newly arrived. And she walks in, I, I can tell that this woman's not a Christian. She kind of looks, it's, it's kind of a strange thing for her to observe. She looks at it, and then she starts walking off. And then what happened next was fascinating. Because I'm watching the scene, I'm over here watching. She walks off, and then she just stops. She's frozen, and then she looks down, and she turns around and goes back and just reaches into her pockets, 
pulls out change and just throws it down. And, and I'm looking going, what in the world? She looks up, she smiles, and then she walks off. And it starts this contagion of people that see her and they just start going like, pulling out things and just dumping it at the feet of the baby Jesus. Oh, this is amazing. And I just realized once again, when you encounter the majesty of Jesus, the only rightful response is just to give what you have. I just thought, Lord, won't you do that again in my heart? I'd encounter you and just say, you know what? You're worth it all. Won't you do that in our church's heart, Lord? That giving would be all about you, that would be focused on you, that we'd want to worship you, Lord, and that the world would see and they'd be caught up and go, you know what? There's something better than just living for me. There's someone higher. There's someone more beautiful that I could pour out my life to. And I just saw this woman walk off and she just walked off smiling after she did that, filled with joy. You know, that's what this crazy Christmas offering is all about. It's a time for us to say, I'm giving to you, Jesus. Jesus, Christmas is about you, and I want you to have my whole heart. So this is what we want to do. I'm going to invite Stephen back out to the stage, and we're going to finish this morning a little different. Instead of having a ministry time, we're going to have a time of bringing our offerings. I know that many of you, you've been preparing for this. This is a tradition in all peoples, and so this is something that you start thinking about and praying about. I know for me, we gathered last night as my family at the dinner table and brought our kids into it and said, kids, we always want to give our best gift, our most costly gift every year we give to Jesus. And so we waited on God. What I mean is we silenced our hearts and just said, now we're going to ask God to just put something in our hearts. And we went around and shared what we were going to give as a family. I know that some of you have already done that. But we also, each year, I know different ones come and, and, and they wait for this service to, to ask God to speak to them, their heart, on what's he calling them to give. What's, what kind of offering is he calling them to bring? We've put these cards in each of the envelopes, I'm going to actually ask some ushers to come forward because I want everyone to have one of these cards. And I know that there's numerous ways to give. Many people now in our modern era, they give online or they, they give uh, by text. But we have these cards today because in the Bible, it talks about bringing an offering and it talks about these physical acts of worship, raising your holy hands or kneeling down, laying before the Lord clapping to him, singing. There's a physical response. So we want everyone to have a card. Please raise your hand if you need one, if you didn't get one, because I want every person to have one because what I want you to do is I want you to take this card and in a second, we're just gonna close our eyes and be silent before the Lord. And then we're gonna write what our offering is, what we're giving. And I encourage you, husbands and wives, to, after you pray, to consult with each other and Talk about what you're going to do. And then after a moment of silence, I'm going to have us all stand to our feet. And as we stand to our feet, we're going to sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. And we're going to actually do that. We're going to actually fulfill this song by coming and adoring him.
by doing what the wise men did of bringing their gifts and even if you don't have your cash on you or you're texting it in a different way, I want to invite you to come forward and actually put your little paper here and whatever your gift is going to be into the offering basket and I'd encourage you after you do that to return to your seats and pray with your spouse or you can even pray beforehand but you come when you're ready if you're here as a whole family and I'd encourage you to all come as a family and I, if it was me I'd all put our hands on the card and, and put it in together bringing that gift as a family you might want to do that with your roommate if you're here with them or whoever that is but let's just take a moment in silence right now to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Lord, we owe you everything. And Lord, I thank you that throughout Scripture you said bring a free will offering, that which you place on people's hearts. And so I'm asking that you'd speak to our hearts and that we'd be recipient, we'd be receivers of what you have to say and that we'd give with happy and joy, joyful hearts. We'd give this crazy Christmas offering. We wait in silence before you now. baskets on these tables and I'm just going to ask as we rise that you just come, you'd stream forward, you don't have to wait in a certain particular order but just stream forward with your family or your friends to put the offering in these baskets or to put your card in these baskets as we sing the song. Let's stand now church and let's bring our offering before the Lord right now.